in a series called Be the Church. And uh, I, you can tell by now, if you've been coming, I do long series. I have a lot to say about topics, and we only do 22-minute chunks at a time. So it just takes me a while to run through them. But um, it's very important, I think, for us to get the idea, the, the main idea of this is that we are the church, the, the people here. Right now, we're the church gathered corporately. When you leave, you're still the church you're just the church on mission. So that church isn't something that you do. Church is something that you are. And that begins to change the way that we look at things. And so we've been talking in that context. And because it's always about people, it's about relationships. And so we've been looking at our relationship with God and one another. And today we're going to move into a discussion on our relationship with the future people of God. I said from the beginning this was coming. We call this mission I need to take a week or two to introduce how that sort of work and what that looks like. So that's where we're heading today. That's the uh, introduction. Transition, always a couple of bad jokes. Um, these are quite bad, so I think you'll like them or not. Did you hear about the thief who is stealing the wheels off of cop cars? The police are working tirelessly to catch him. <laughs> Thank you very much. And apparently I heard earlier that US-1 has become blocked after a truck shed its load of brightly colored writing paper and envelopes. The police say that the traffic is pretty stationary. That's a good one. Apologies to the visitors. It doesn't get better than that. Scripture reading here on purpose. This is Matthew 7, 12 through 14. I'm going to read this out of the message paraphrase, and then we'll dig later on into the, the uh, translation in, in verse 12 in a little bit. But I like this. Here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, and then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and prophets, and this is what you get don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So that's a great passage. And like I said, we're going to dig into verse 12 here in just a moment. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start talking about how our love for God, which is what this last four or five weeks has been, um, now needs to move into that same love, into our love for others. And so we're, we're going to dig into that. The other point number one in your notes is how do we love our neighbors as ourselves? How to love our neighbors as ourselves. The passage we've been in for the last four weeks is this one in Mark 12, 29 and following. The most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So as I said, we've been in this passage now for quite a few weeks, and that first part is about loving God all in, which we've talked about heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know, last week I said that the, the first three parts of that are inward, and that last one is taking all those things and moving them outward. And then it continues in um, this direction in taking that love and moving it into the world around us. Now, when Jesus is asked that question, what's the most important thing, he basically summarizes the Ten Commandments. So whenever I talk about the Ten Commandments, I like to take a moment and make sure we're all sort of looking at them in 
the, the proper way. So the Ten Commandments, or actual wording is the Ten Words, are given to a people who have been set free and delivered and rescued. You need to know the order of things. Remember, the people of God were in bondage and slavery, and God moved miraculously, and He saved them out of that. He rescued them and brought them into a new place. And then He speaks these ten words into community about how they're supposed to live. So the Ten Commandments have always been, and were always intended to be, a love thing, not a law thing. But over time, what happened was the Ten Commandments became a law thing, and, and that, that all of a sudden people thought that's what they needed to do in order to be rescued and delivered and set free. But no, that, that miraculous thing happens in Christ. That's how we come to know life. And then um, we're instructed on how we're supposed to live, and it's a, it's a love thing. And Jesus is summarizing those ten in these two verses. Uh, he says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first three commandments. They're all about loving God. And then the last six commandments are about loving your neighbor. How you're just supposed to, if you're loving people well, you're not going to do these things. And the fourth commandment is about where we talk about loving ourselves, I believe. People would go, well, what's that fourth commandment? It's about Sabbath. It's about rest. And before it became a law thing where it kind of lost its amazing joy, as a love thing, it was a day when, when God just wanted you to just put everything else aside and just enjoy life. And you do that by enjoying Him. And you stopped, you took a break from all your work, and you just came to a place of rest. See, the reality is that's what God wants for us in our lives, in Christ, is to be at a place of rest and peace. Because until we get to that place, um, we'll never be able to love God the way we're supposed to, and we won't love others the way we're supposed to. If we're not at rest and at peace in, in who God is and who we are in Him, we tend to try and use God to get what we want, and we do the same thing with people. We sort of use them for what we want to accomplish. So, so we don't experience life there. And so the way that we love ourselves is realizing who God is and how much He loves us and knowing our identity in Him and just coming to that place of rest and peace in this life. And so in that whole process then, in this idea that, that we are to love ourselves, um, we're to take from that how we're to love others. Now, some of the ways that we love ourselves, uh, and these are very sort of hardwired into us, uh, like if you're hungry... Um, then you'd want to do something about that. If you can, you get something to eat, right? Some of us are better in that than others. Uh, um, if, if you uh, have a need of some type, you know, you're going to try because you want to take care of yourself. Obviously, you try and meet that need. Um, if you feel like you're being taken advantage of or something bad is going on, you, you'd want to correct that situation. You don't think that's well. Well, what Jesus wants us to do is to understand that that's part of loving ourselves and then what we need to do is take it a step further. Like when, when we're hungry, we realize that other people are hungry as well. When we have a need, we realize that other people have needs. When, when we feel taken advantage of, we realize that other people are taken advantage of. And we start becoming as concerned about those things as we are concerned about ourselves. And that begins to change the way that we look at life. And remember, this struggle all the time is getting ourselves out of the center of the story. And, and that this is his story. He's in the center. And, and we revolve around him. And there we begin to experience the life we were created for. So, so with this understanding of this idea of loving ourselves, we're supposed to begin to love others. And the other thing that we need to know is this, that our love for people is actually evidence that we truly love God. So uh, this concern that, that we're to have is, is, is going to flow out of uh, hearts that, that love God. Remember that last four weeks we've talked about worship, what, what it meant. It's about God being our highest priority, loving Him, heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
Well, the outward sort of expression of that is actually evidenced by our love for others. So if we're not experiencing that, it means that we, we need to come back and adjust this relationship we have with God. We're missing something in the process. Look at what Jesus says here in John 13, 34 and 35. A new command, Jesus says, I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Three times that point is made in those two verses. Love one another. That's how people will know we're his disciples. Just think about that for a little bit. What a big deal. People actually get and understand that we're followers of Jesus by how well we love. And so, so that needs to impact us and begin to change us in this life. And it really needs to help us get out of the center of the story. This idea that I really do need to be concerned for others and what that looks like. So practically, you know, the, the quickest way I know to get to that spot is to, uh, to start doing this. And this is point number three is we need to start living by the golden rule. Um, uh, most of you will know the golden rule. You've heard it. You've been taught it. Some people don't even know that it actually came from the Bible, the golden rule, but it did. Remember last week I said a lot of times people, they think things are in the Bible that aren't in the Bible. And then, uh, you know, the, you know that there's a verse. I, this scared me the other day. I saw this statistic. Eighty percent of people believe that, that the verse in the Bible is, is that um, God takes care of those who take care of themselves. You ever heard that? That's not a Bible. Did you know that? Eight out of ten of you apparently didn't. And uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not even a biblical ideal, let alone a biblical scripture. Um, you know, it's not how it works. So, and yet, we got all these things tossed in there. Well, so we need to know the scripture. But, but in this one, it's very important uh, that we know this. Matthew seven twelve. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. It's another summary verse. Those summary verses are very helpful that Jesus gave. He's really saying these are the things that are important. This is a big deal. Um, so you're to love people the, the way that you want to be loved. That's what you're supposed to do. And you think about how, what you would want to do for people, what you would want to have done for you, and then you treat people that way. Now, culturally, we've changed that. Uh, and uh, we really sort of have it this way, that, that uh, I'll treat you um, the way that you treat me. And we, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's kind of how we relate to people. If we go to someone and they're kind to us, then probably we're going to be kind back. But if they're mean to us, we're going to be mean back. And um, that's kind of what we're used to. And yet, that's not the kingdom dynamic of the golden rule. The golden rule says we're going to love people um, because that's what we want to have happen. We're going to treat people with kindness and respect and humility, all those things that happen, because that's how we want to be treated. And we're going to do that regardless of what comes back at us from them, because that's not what the issue is. It's about us loving well. Now, I, I'm not setting you up to be taken advantage of or to be abused. There's certainly boundaries that we put in place. But um, we're going to treat people. We're called to treat people, to love people well, um, regardless of what's going on. And that needs to be impacting us in every area of our life and, and what that looks like. We need to start taking that in as to what's going on. And uh, I kind of chuckle because, you know, on this journey, you sort of catch up to things over time. And, and I probably wasn't always kind to people and I'm not always as kind as I should be now. But, um, you know, over, over the seasons of my life, I begin to see where that happens. And I realized pretty quickly that I needed to be careful living in a small place to pretty much be kind here because of what I do. So like if somebody did something 
I considered stupid driving. I didn't honk at them because sure enough, if I honked at them and made an issue, they'd be sitting up here on the front row on Sunday and I'd be having to deal with that. So I just stopped doing those things. And, and, um, and then I, I said, you know, see, sir, well, I'm getting pretty good now because even if I'm a little frustrated, I don't let people know. And then I had this incident where I realized that not only has to be it has to be all the time. It just needs to be who I am, not just sort of in check. And there was a time when um, Alice's mom came and lived with us, uh, and she lived with us for five years. And uh, her, her husband, Alice's father, had uh, passed away and gone to be with the Lord, and she had health issues, so she came and stayed with us. And we had her at the house. She had this issue with her bank up there, um, and we were trying to close this account, but it was, it was up in Michigan, and we were here, and they kept not closing it and hitting her with this penalty for something, and um, it was frustrating her, and, and she, she didn't feel good enough to deal with it. She said, can you deal with the bank? I said, sure, I'll deal with the bank, and I called, and you know that if you're not on the account, the bank doesn't want to talk to you, and so she'd have to get on and say, talk to him, and, and I'd, I'd probably be a little frustrated by this time that something is looks as simple as me as you need to close this account and quit charging her this money um, and I thought I had communicated that and then on um, the second month the same thing happened I tried to call again and do that the third month we got another call same thing was happening and I got on the phone and calling them and I was talking to this one person and they said uh, okay I got to put you on hold for a minute and I'm on hold for a minute you know the bank music is playing and then another person picks up it's a different person and I said, oh, hello, I was on hold. I had been explaining the situation. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know. It has here on your record that we have in front of you that you're, difficult, uh, you're a difficult person on the phone. <laughs> and, you know, I sort of, I, I would have wanted to defend that probably. Was like, I, you're the ones that are being difficult. This is pretty simple, you know. But, but it hit me big time that... That was not who I wanted to be. And somehow, just because there was some distance between me and these people, I was sort of maybe cutting to the chase a little bit more passionately than I should have. And it changed me. I was like, because I'm, you know, that I, I didn't, I, I was a, oh, you, yeah, and by, oh, by the way, I'm Pastor Steve. If you're ever in Florida, please come to the church. <laughs> So that, that was years ago now. That's impacted me. So I, I, I realize that just I need to have a concern for people, whether they're right in front of me or whether they're on their phone, whatever it is. And that, you know, a lot of the times things aren't their fault and, and uh, you just need to, to deal with them. And kindness, I found, works way better than that aggressive stuff. Uh, but just recently we had a thing with Home Depot. We were expecting a delivery. And uh, we'd been waiting for it for quite a while. And it was finally the day and we're ready to come. And they called me and said, uh, hey, we're here and, y- and you're not there. And I said, no, you're not there. I'm here and you're not here. And they had the address wrong. They were like a mile off. Now, listen, I said, okay, well, you're in the wrong spot. You've got to come here. And they said, well, we can't do that. So what do you mean you can't do that? Well, we have to deliver it to this address that we've got. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and. The truck driver couldn't do anything. So I said, okay, I get it. Thank you. I called Home Depot, get customer service. And, and I know, okay, you've got to be kind, even though you're frustrated. And I was just real kind, explained the situation. And uh, he listened, and he made a couple of phone calls, and he said, yeah, we can't change that. I said, huh. And uh, it's got to come back, and we're going to have to resend it, and all these other things. And, uh, and so I just kept saying, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, and uh, he, said, he said, wow, I, if that happened to me, that's really stupid. I'd be really upset. <laughs> I'm like, 
Okay. And uh, I appreciate your sympathy. I, I don't think he would have been there if I'd let him have it for what I was feeling. But see, but kind of, he needed to be treated like that. So I got off that phone call and I didn't tell him, but I could have said, if you're ever in the Keys, come to church. It would be fine. So this needs to be impacting the way that we live. You get, that's all of us. That's our mission is we, we need people to come to know Jesus. If we know Jesus, we found the most amazing thing. He's the center of the story. And it's not all about us anymore. It's bigger than us. And it's so much better when we get that. And so we, we want to start treating people the way that we would like to be treated. We, we need to think about what, what is it that I would... And that's what we're going to do in every situation. And it matters in this whole process. And so we, we do that. So that we can treat people well. Um, And to do it, here's what needs to happen. First, little letter A. Um, We have to begin to see like he sees. And and this is significant. Um, I love the fact that when you read the Gospels, Jesus sees people that nobody else sees. I just love that. He's always seen people that are kind of off in the distance. And he has great compassion. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, and, and so we have to sort of be aware of the fact that oftentimes if we're in the center of our own story, we're only seeing people around us, sort of the crowd around us becomes either scenery or machinery almost all the time. And, and scenery, they just kind of blend off in, into the distance. You really don't see them. You kind of know they're there, but you're not really seeing them. And, and, uh, and you know, there's, these are people that, that matter, that count, that have value, that God loves, that have stories and lives. And, and they, they can't just merely be the scenery of our lives. And even worse, we can't allow them just to become machinery. And too often, uh, when we see people as machinery, um, we're going to let them have it when things aren't going the way that we want them to go because we're being inconvenienced. And you'll see that all the time. I see it all the time, with, uh, and it saddens me, you know, in restaurants. You, you know, the, it's, it's usually not the server's fault that something's happening, so don't take it out on the, on the servers. And, and maybe everybody's just having a bad day. It's, it happens. Um, but I watch people go from being pretty nice people to people you hardly recognize because things aren't working out. And, and I, you know, I always tell Winn-Dixie stories. It happens there all the time. I, I, I feel bad for those cashiers. I try and be super extra nice when I go through just to make up for a little bit. And, you know, it's not the cashier's fault that you had to stand in line. The cashiers would love to have 10 more cashiers working. And I'm sure the store would like to have all those cashiers. They can't find, you know, it just goes back and back and back. To, so we just kind of deal with, hey, I'm, I'm going to, when I go there, I'm going to have to wait for a little while and it's okay. And I don't need to make it, make me miserable and then make everybody else miserable. I'm just going to be kind to them. And, I, you know, for me, I get lots of opportunities to pray for people at Winn-Dixie. And people that don't even know who I am, but opportunities nonetheless, just because there's a lot of, there's a lot of ministry that can be done in Winn-Dixie. A lot of, for a place with all sorts of stuff, people can be really angry in there. You know what I'm saying? So, so we need to do, and, and then we, we need to think like he thinks. And this is what we're going to dwell on over the next couple of weeks. Paul says this in Philippians 2.5, um, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So it's a mindset change. We need to start perceiving things the way that Jesus does in the process. We need to sort of have his paradigm. And we're going to dig into that over a couple of weeks because some of our things need to be challenged. I was thinking this week um, as I was kind of going through this. So I'm coming up on being on staff here for 30 years. January 1st, I'll have been on staff here for 30 years. Been the senior pastor since 92, so not quite as long. And been coming to church since 85 here. Um, and so, you know, I've been reflecting with that date coming up on things that have happened in the church and things that are going on. I was remembering a time 
um, back in 2002. Uh, and in 2002, we were a church of about 150, 200 people uh, that would gather. And we'd been that way about 10 years. That sort of stayed right there in that spot. And in that process, I had talked to a church growth, because I wanted to see the church grow. I talked to a church growth consultant guy and told him about the situation. He said, oh, how big is your town? And I said, about 4,000 people that live on the area. And he said, you know, if you've got 200 people coming in a town of 4,000, you're doing amazingly well. You've super saturated your area. That's the best you can do, 2%. He said, any church in the country would love to be at 2% of their population. And then, you know, we can sort of draw from about 10,000 people. So if you did that, you could, maybe you could get to 500. But I just remember thinking about that. And I was like, 200. So I guess this is it. We've made it. We're super saturated. And yet... I would, I would walk into that Winn-Dixie. I just talked about Winn-Dixie. I remember walking in and seeing all these people that I didn't know. I was like, well, first super saturated. I should be knowing some of these people. This is a small town. And I didn't know them. And it was on one of those occasions when I had the Lord actually, you know, I felt the Lord speak to me, however you want to impress upon me. He said, you know that whole uh, 2% thing? Yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I didn't say that. And see, sometimes what happens is what we think we know gets in the way of knowing what we really need to know. And we've got a whole bunch of stuff in there that we think we know that's messing us up from all sorts of stuff. It's keeping us from experiencing God in so many ways. And, and so when I, I, was, I knew that was God, and so we just started doing things differently because I was like, oh, well, we can, we, he, God says that wasn't him. So let's see what can happen. And now, you know, many years later, it's not unusual on a weekend for us to have 1,200 people in here. And, and I never go to Winn-Dixie without seeing people. Yeah, yeah, that's a God thing. But... but uh, you probably experience that too when you go to Winn-Dixie. Now, a lot of you are going right after church and you're going to see everybody in there. But <laughs> So remember to be kind, right? Like, oh, you just said be kind. <laughs> but don't be weird, Alice. Yeah, don't. Uh, um, but I go, anytime I go in the week, I see people. And that happens now all over the community because things have changed. See, but, but I had it backwards or not right because I took something in that wasn't really what God wanted me to have. If we have to challenge those things in our lives, and we'll be, we'll be trying to do that kindly, challenging you uh, over a couple of things, so that, I just ran out of time, we can serve like He serves. That's the end result. Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And D, ultimately, so we can do what He does. It's good that I'm out of time. I want to leave you with this passage and have you think about it all week. I tell you the truth, very, very truly, it says. So very, it's truly, truly. And Jesus is really making a point when you get a double truly there. I tell you, whoever believes in me will do, will do the works I've been doing, the things that Jesus did, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That's one of those passages that should make you catch your breath. You think about what Jesus did, and he said, that's exactly how we should be doing things and even greater things than that. I want you to kind of dwell on that because the reason that we don't always see that the way we should is that we think we know things that we don't really know yet. And some of it needs to be challenged so that we can move into the world the way he wants us to. So that's where we're headed. And uh, I'm going to end it right there for today. Ministry team, those of you here, right, head over to the wall. People on the way over there here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as a group and then we'll dismiss. Papa, thank you so much for your goodness to us and your love for us and for this life that you've called us to and for this idea of, of living on mission, God, making a difference in the world around us. There's, there's just no other adventure like this one. 
And I pray, God, that as we continue to press into you, that not only we would be changed, Lord, but, but we would impact the world around us for you, that you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached, and ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here, God. You are so awesome. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that too. It's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking God to forgive you what you do, and then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Now, if you need help, just go and ask somebody. Say, hey, I want to know Jesus, and they'll help you through that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything that's going on in your life, I'd encourage you to go. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that, everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God. You are an awesome, awesome God. Praise God from whom all bless. Ghost, Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to death. Prayer is there. Breakfast will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot and everywhere else. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.